everyone, and welcome to your yearly, wonderful, everyone's been waiting for the episode now that the end of 2020 is down, your yearly game of the year and movie of the year discussion that Craig and I fight over, talk yep. about, and go over why each one of us is wrong in our own spectacular ways. <laughs> you know, we don't fight, though, because we always just do our own top 10 list, so it kind of avoids like that fighting. You know? Yeah, yeah, and well, one thing I will say is like just with my just with both of our top ten lists, we have we have honorable mentions. We yep. played, you know, we're gamers. Some would call us gamers, is what <laughs> I would say. Yeah, and that we've played a lot of games, and it's kind of hard to take all of that, all those games, and just compile compile you know into them into a top ten list. Where the other ones, where we also have, you know, fun times with, can't be mentioned. So we have honorable mentions here. I did want to say, too, that this this year, as opposed to last year, I'm excited because I feel like our lists are going to vary a lot, which is kind of cool. Like, both of them. I think the games and the movies. I think, I mean, we may have some of the same games, but I feel like there's going to be some that I have that you don't, you know, more so than last year for us. Yeah, I think the big thing last year was Borderlands 3 for yeah. us. The fact that we played through that entire game together and had fun. And I went, no, nah, that's not my top 10. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so it should be some interesting list for sure. The movies but, one's always interesting. Yeah, and I, I'm looking at my movie list right now. Uh, and I have a feeling there should be some different things at least. Yeah. And especially rating wise, just because we both have like different criterias for what we find is an enjoyable movie a lot of the time and you know that's where that's where our lists well i think will differ pretty pretty yeah. interestingly also i think i'm going to change it up this year so like if you say one that i have on a list higher up i'm not going to say I'll, instead of saying like oh that was my number two i just okay. won't say anything until i get all right. to it <laughs> all right we can give that a shot keep everybody but, uh, suspenseful yeah but with that, thank you for joining us. This is going to be quite the long podcast, so I would grab a coffee or if you're in your car, hopefully you're starting this up at the beginning of your trip yep. to the point where hopefully at the end of your car ride you feel enlightened and <laughs> you've you've reached nirvana with gaming and now you know what games to play and not to play, especially if you're one of the people that waits for games to go on sale or something like that. True. And also, forewarned spoilers, obviously. <laughs> yeah, gonna yeah. Be spoilers. Yeah, for sure. Spoilers are definitely going to be a thing with all these games. If you haven't played them, um, you should probably try. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Give them some, a shot. Yeah, some of these games that we talk about though won't be available for the highly sought after next gen consoles. Mm -hmm. So at least, it, if that doesn't give you a hint, there's only one real game that is not available on previous gen consoles so that gives you a hint as to what one of the games is in my top 10 but it shouldn't come as a surprise right so i'm not worried about it <laughs> sweet let's do it all right do we want to go through our honorable mentions first yeah or do we want to go okay yeah let's do honorable mentions all right so for my honorable mentions mm -hmm. and i have I, it's funny i have like three lists set okay. out here it's in front of me all about game of the year because I, I don't know what I'm going to go with first off. Uh, so we'll. You don't have we'll your list with, ironed out? I have, I know, I have a final list ironed out. Okay. But there are going to be people who say, Barry, your top 10 isn't valid due to this reason or due to that reason. Okay. And to them, I'm going to say, uh, 
It's 2020. It's my top 10 list. I do what I want. It's fair. <laughs> and if you have a problem with that, that's fine. So I come with, I, I come with a whole bunch of, you know, if person does a go to step 375 <laughs> and choose B. Okay. You, you thought it all out. That's good. Yeah. Yeah. I've got, I've got an entire war and peace binder on okay. what to do for every situation. So for me and my honorable mentions, I'm going to go ahead and put, and I know it's a big disappointment to everybody. Animal Crossing is not in my top 10. Oh, man. As, as I know, a lot of people will be upset about. Tokyo Mirage Sessions FE is also going to be there. Among Us and Octopath Traveler. Okay. Now, with my honorable mentions, I'll just go into a bit of each game. Animal Crossing, uh, it's just not my type of game, but I can't deny the cultural impact and what Animal Crossing did for a lot of people at the beginning of the COVID-19 pandemic. Yeah. Animal Crossing was the thing that at, at places you couldn't get. And it's very rare that a game goes gets so popular that you can't even find it. Yeah. <laughs> uh, and, and and with that I think there's some there's some merit. I enjoyed my time with Animal Crossing while I was beginning to learn it. And I know other people still stick with Animal Crossing and that's fine. But for me, that's just not my type of game. And I uh I, I can't deny that it's cute and it's fun, but just not not for me. Yeah. With Tokyo Mirage Sessions FE, I can't include it on my list, uh, just because this particular game is is exactly a port of what was on a Wii U game, and it's a Fire Emblem game. It's got Fire Emblem and uh, what is it? The Shin Megami Tensei series. It's kind of a mashup of those two, and it's just a fun. And what I liked about this game for me, especially, is if you're a person that doesn't have a PS4 or Xbox, but you have a Switch, Tokyo Mirage Sessions is Persona Five for Switch. If that if that makes sense, yeah, I said okay. that right. Yeah. So it, there's just a lot of similarities between it, JRPG, and I can't help but have fun with it. The one thing I will mention too is the voice cast is not in English. So if that turns you off, then this is a game you aren't going to play or try. Um, it has its original Japanese voice cast, and everything has like a speech bubble or text whenever they're talking. So it's not like you're missing anything with it. But I do have to say, like, it's not, it's a game that you have to pay attention while you're playing. Just because if you just be, tend to be the person that matches A and skips over dialogue, and then wonder why X is happening to Y, you're not going to know because you didn't read. Yeah. Is, is going to be the main thing there. Uh, next one for me is going to be Among Us. Uh, can't deny how, how much fun this game was, especially considering that this game was actually released a couple years ago, and then just due to the pandemic, it blew up in all the right ways. It's a pretty simple game to play. Really, like, anybody, a lot of people could pick it up and play it and and get it. And I just think that it started up, you know, a bunch of streamers, started up a government official in AOC, yep. uh, starting a Twitch channel and playing with Twitch streamers. And I think that Among Us was this kind of huge, gigantic surprise that no one really expected because it wasn't a game that was released actually in 2020. It was a game that was released years ago. 
that just happened to catch fire and you know that's the kind of the uh, ma- the magic or a genie in a bottle just somebody eventually finds it the right person will find it rubs the lamp and everything kind of explodes from there <laughs> and and then octopath traveler for me uh, octopath traveler is a fun game i do like it's unique storylines where all of the eight characters have their own prologues and they're all different and then you as the character you decide to pick to start as has the prologue goes through the area goes through the maps and you eventually recruit the other people and 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 play through the game i just think that its storytelling element was was really cool the fact that all of eight all eight people are playable they all have their own dialogue and as you continue to play as each character or you start the game as another character you tend to get insights on oh this is what happened to this character's past now i understand why he did it when i was in this playthrough that kind of thing so i just um i I like rpgs if that isn't a telltale (laughs) sign already so octopath traveler is um I, i believe is in there and it's one of the few games as well that sold really well for switch and it actually kind of sold out in a lot of ways you couldn't find it for a while square enix didn't expect it to be as popular as it was so i think that it's got something to say about it too but yeah those are my those are my honorable mentions all right so i have three honorable mentions and i will say kind of like what you said at the beginning these are my own personal opinion and that's one of the good reasons of having your own podcast is i don't have to apologize for them (laughs) so i'm gonna stick with what i have here but my first honorable mention is going to be super mario 3d all-stars um obviously if you've listened before you know that i had a ton of fun with this um i think it's a great collection the reason i didn't put on my top 10 is because at the end of the day they really didn't do any uh upgrade work on the games themselves they just ported them straight over and raked in the money so like for that reason, I didn't want to put it on the top 10 because of everything else that's come out this year and the past year, like there's a high standard for remastering games. And I think they could have done more, but I did still enjoy it. So that's an honorable mention for sure for me. Yeah, um, they are ports. Yeah, yeah, right. Um, I would have loved to see like Super Mario 64 remastered. I think that would have been cool. And I think a lot of people would have liked that, but we didn't get that. Still a fun collection, still totally worth the $60, getting all three fantastic games in one. So uh, my second one is Minecraft Dungeons. And I know, did you ever finish it or not? No, I did not. Okay. I did play through the whole thing. Um, It didn't take that long to get through. I had a ton of fun with it. You know, it's basically Diablo Lite or Diablo for the younger generation, which, you know, I love Diablo. So I had a ton of fun with it. I'm not a Minecraft person at all. Um, but I thoroughly enjoyed this game for the 10 to 15 hours that I spent with it. Um, you can go back through and play on like harder difficulties and that, but I did not do that because it, again, there was other games that were out at that same time. So, so it didn't crack the top 10, but that one was very, very close for me. And then, uh, my third honorable mention is going to be cyberpunk 2077. Um, Still not done with it, so that kind of factors into my decision to not put it in the top 10, and also just the state that it released in. I just can't, like, in good conscience, put it in the top 10. But I think I've probably put about, probably somewhere between 20 to 25 hours 
as of today, and I'm really, really enjoying it. I like the story, and I think when the next gen versions actually do come out, I think it's going to be, you know, a, a very, very good game. And I don't know if we count that next year. If it does come out next year, the next gen version, and maybe it does make it on the list next year for me, we'll see. Again, if it does, I'm not going to apologize for it. But uh, those, those are my three honorable mentions. Yeah, well, and what I'll mention for me too is what one thing you won't find is like I didn't put Cyberpunk 2077 in here mm-hmm. uh, in my top 10, and that has a lot to do with how it launched and all the drama that's going on around with it. Right. And, you, and for a lot of people, that's going to tick people off. But I know... I know people who bought the game really super excited for it. Like even, you know, my brother said in, in uh, like two podcasts ago mm-hmm. where his friend was so excited, but it's in such a broken state that people can't even play it. Yep. And I think in, I think in that aspect, you know, if you're somebody who had a base PS4 or a base uh, Xbox one, you, you really can't review that game just because the people who, and the systems who tried to play it literally can't. Yeah, you know it's in such a broken state at that point. So maybe, you know, maybe it is something left for um, for twenty twenty one if it comes out and it is you know this miraculous comeback yeah. story about how the game. It could. I mean, it could pull off something like that, and I hope it does. And you know, I would be very happy to put it on my top ten next year if it if it's finished and you know doesn't have quite so many issues. And just looks better in general because I think it looks good, but it's not on par with other games that came out this year. So yeah, yeah, I agree. All right, we get into that the meat of the list here, the top ten. Yeah, do do you want to go first or you want me to go first? I don't care. We could flip a virtual coin. Doesn't matter to me. I don't have a virtual coin <laughs> with me. I have an SD card. I could flip that. <laughs> All right, that could work. All right, so let's see here. I have a SanDisk Ultra Plus is going to be heads. <laughs> okay. And the blank side is going to be tails. All right. Uh, which uh, one do you want it to I'll be? I'll go with tails. Tails. All right. Yep. Uh, let's see here. I'm going to try not to give horrible audio here as I'm flipping <laughs> at the card. It is tails. That's the right. black part. All right. So I guess that means I go first. Yes. All right. Number 10 for me is going to be moving out. Um, we talked about this, the other podcast about like, what was that most surprising or whatever? Um, I had so much fun with this game with my family. It was such a perfect party game, um, even though it gets you heated just like uh, Overcooked did. But just just the amount of fun that I had for that week or so that I was playing this every night with my family was just, it was good memories, especially in that time where you're kind of stuck inside anyway, it was a good, uh, you know, bonding time with the family. So such a fun time. You can pick it up, you can put it down, you can come back to it months later and still have fun with it. Um, can't recommend that game enough to people who haven't tried it. Obviously, if you liked overcooked, you're going to like moving out, but definitely check that game out. So it had to be on the top 10 for me. And one thing I will ask is, which one is more frustrating, Overcooked <sighs> or Moving Out? Especially playing with other people. I think Overcooked is still more, because there's just so much going on in Overcooked, whereas with Moving Out, it's just like getting the stuff onto the truck, and you know some of the items that you're moving, you know, two people have to carry, so that's where it gets a little iffy, and you start yelling at people to go, you know, you're you're pulling in the wrong direction. Um, that's when it gets heated, but. 
especially and when you get to later levels, there's like lava and all kinds of stuff like that. But I still think Overcooked gets me so much more heated than Moving Out ever did. Like I can't play Overcooked with family because I'll just start yelling. <laughs> it's there. It Overcooked is the type of game that shows people who didn't work in the restaurant business. Yep. And it shows. Yeah, it does. Uh, <laughs> it, especially like, you know, and I'm not sure how long you worked in like food or whatnot, but I worked at the same restaurant for I almost, I think six, eight years, you know, I think six mm -hmm. years of my life. And I held almost every position there. So yeah, the fact that there are people who, when we play Overcooked, can't do more than one thing at a time. <laughs> like you end up being like the, the person that ends up barking the orders ends up being the person that cuts the food, cooks the food, makes the food. And then right. everybody else is just, um, you know, taking out the food and washing the dishes. Yep. I don't know about you, but it always came down to when things got really heated, the person who could not pull their weight would just get banished to wash dishes. Like that's just what happened. You're like, no, just wash the dishes. Just stay out of the way. <laughs> Man, that brings back some bad memories, but Overcooked was a good game at its core. Yeah. And, and moving out as well, kind of, mm -hmm. kind of gave me that vibe. And I remember watching people play that game and it's a, a lot more relaxed, a lot more fun. And I think, a, a fun archaic is what I'll say energy to it. Cause yeah. that game is compared to, um, you know, overcooked and that's just more archaic frustration, at least for, <laughs> yeah. at least for me. Yep. Absolutely. So what's your number 10? My number 10 is paper Mario and the origami King. Okay. Now you guys can call me biased for intelligent systems. Cause they do fire emblem and fire emblem this and fire emblem that mm -hmm. Barry all he cares about is fire emblem and his stupid waifus. <laughs> but, uh, paper Mario, like it was bringing back an old classic series that, you know, I really like, I liked the old paper Mario's and getting to have it on the switch and on the go, you know, meant a lot to a lot of people and it meant something to me as well. And when I go back and think about this game, for me, it's, you know, it's Mario, beloved character with RPG style type things. And that combat system was something that just completely blew me out of the water and surprised me. It's the combat system was something that I, you know, once you play it enough, the game makes sense. Mm -hmm. But if you... Um, but as you go along, you start to understand, you know, the the turnstile type of combat. And it's just something I had never seen before. And as somebody who's played a lot of turn-based gameplay, I have never thought of it in an interesting concept like that. Yeah, it's almost and, like a puzzle. And, and that's what I like, you yeah. know. Uh, a type of puzzle that, you know, the game rewards you when you do something, you know, in one turn. And if you can figure that type of stuff out, even though not all battles are one turn, of course, are, you know, it's very rewarding to figure that out. And especially when you, you're able to take, you know, knowledge from previous fights and how to turn the dial and make it so, you know, you survive more than one turn was also just like was also just a fun game in general and while the story i think lacks a little bit in what a lot of people wanted and i know this game's combat system isn't what people wanted from it i had a lot of fun with it and it brought me it it brought me into opening myself up to newer types of 
you know, combat experiences like that, and maybe that the the gaming industry might need to think of other ways to, you know, get people involved in RPG-type systems. Because it's not all about turn-based. People find that boring. But this type, you know, you were trying to figure out a puzzle and have fun with it. So yeah. I think, and, and that's why it's in my top ten. Okay. I, had, I had a lot of fun with this game. And uh, with, with Paper Mario, it, it was just bringing back a, a, an old classic game from my childhood. <laughs> I didn't put it on my list, even though I really, really liked it, just because it was a, it was a game that something else came out. So I stopped playing it. So it's like on my list of things I 100% want to go back and actually beat. But I just didn't play enough of it for me to actually put it on my list. But it's such a good game. Yeah. Like the writing is fantastic. It's funny. And yeah, that, that battle system I thought was great. You had to like sit there and like scratch your brain every fight, which I thought was cool. <laughs> All right. Uh, number nine for me is Skater XL, um, which also I know has been out on PC for a year or two, but specifically the console versions coming out. And this was one that I was kind of going back and forth with putting on the list because when it initially launched and I bought it the day it came out, um, it was very bare bones. There is no career mode. There is no storyline. Um, it's just five or six areas that you can skate and you just go skate. And that was pretty much it. Um, the customization option was minimal. Um, but since then, and having checked back into it recently, um, they've added quite a bit. They've added the ability to get custom-made content, which you could do on PC, but you can also do that on console now. So that just opens up like a whole nother level of, you know, all these different types of areas that you can skate now, and they've been adding more clothes and more skateboarding brands. So it's just been what I wanted from it uh, at launch is in there now. So it definitely deserves to be on the list. And, you know, they did a little bit, different with the way you play that game with the controls which i thought was cool took a little bit of getting used to having both analog sticks being a foot which skate kind of did a little bit but not quite to the level that skater xl did so this has been the year for skateboarding games which is nice but i love skater xl so definitely 100 percent where it stands now deserves to be on that list yeah and i definitely think like it's not just you know, this year was the year for skateboarding games. It's mm -hmm. the year of reviving yeah. that type of game because we had it so often when we were younger Yep. and they were so much fun. And because of a couple, pretty much what it ended up being was, I remember the PS3 era kind of ending the, yeah. um, the skateboarding game, Tony Hawk pro skater. I don't know what it was, eight or nine or something crazy. They, they like had that. like, a, um, proving ground, I think was one of the last ones they did. Yeah. Yes. So, <laughs> yeah. And, it, you know, it came out to a lot of bad reviews, but, mm -hmm. you know, and for whatever reason, the industry went, okay, we're not making any more then yep. at that point, which I think, you know, much like how entertainment goes in, in a lot of ways, we end up having something for, for not a long time, reviving it and everybody's all for it because we just haven't seen it in a while. And yep. hopefully so the, success of this game and tony hawk pro skater end up they already revived skate so now yep. it just needs to you know maybe get tony hawk gaming series back <laughs> yeah 
I'm I'm all for it. It's you know everything just like movies goes in waves. So we're seeing the revival of skateboarding games. I think pretty soon we'll see the revival of rhythm based music games again. I mean it's already starting to get there with. Um, I, I don't know how Fuser did. I don't feel like it did too well, but you have like Beat Saber and VR. Um, so I feel like that's on its way back too. And we'll probably see more rock bands or guitar heroes down the line. That'd be great. That mm-hmm. is definitely a good dream for me to have. <laughs> yes, me too. Now, number nine on mine, and I, I'm pretty sure this is going to be somewhere on yours. Okay. But it's good for me, it's going to be Warzone. Okay. Warzone is number nine for me. And. I think in a lot of ways, you know, it, it was kind of a, a no-brainer situation. Call of Duty is the biggest first-person shooter franchise in the world, and Battle Royales were increasingly becoming popular, where we had Fortnite and Apex Legends already. Call of Duty was the only one who didn't have it yet. So it was kind of a no-brainer that when it was eventually going to happen. And two, it kind of launched without a... It, did, it launched and didn't have a lot of problems with it. Yeah. Um. Sure, you know, with Warzone, I do wish there was uh, another map in rotation. I wish there was a little bit more content to play at, to play in, instead of just the same map. Or, you know, I know with Black, what Black Ops 4 did was the map kind of changed seasonally. Mm-hmm. You know, I feel like this Call of Duty map could use a slight sheet of snow on it, or something <laughs> like that, just to just to add some flavor into that map. And I think that's why they released Rebirth Island as well. And I've been playing a lot of that right. as it's just something different for, for people to play. Yeah. So Warzone came out and I, and you know, it, it launched with, I think a lot of success and the battle pass system, I thought really rewarded people well. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, and just in general, Warzone was a no brainer and a huge hit, much like the, modern warfare that that came out before it and it's all based off of yeah yeah i think like if you played it every day or every couple days you know like i did they did change the map but it's not stuff that if you have if you're not playing it all the time you wouldn't notice right like they added the train and they added the ability to go inside the stadium Um, And they added underground bunkers that have like holes in the ground. But that's not stuff you would see if you hadn't been playing it all the time. So it wasn't like major changes. Like you said, Black Ops 4 did a good job of that. Um, Just making like a visual appearance change. But yeah, it's um, I had to double check, too, when I was doing my list. I was like, did that come out this year? And, And it did. It was right at the beginning of everything being shut down, which, again, was just like Animal Crossing was perfect timing. Yeah. And it's and it's not like these game companies knew that this was going to happen, right? But they they definitely lucked out with the timing of it all. <laughs> yes, they did. And, and Warzone in general, I think, will continue to improve. But like, yeah, my one gripe and why it's not higher on the list is I really wish they did what you know we have, and maybe they maybe they are in the works of doing it. They probably are now that I think about it because we have. Fortnite that you know had a, the same map for a while and then released this chapter two mm-hmm. you know thing and the whole map changed in in a lot of ways and then with apex you know we're now onto their third completely different you know map yeah and that adds the variety that i want because i feel i feel like with warzone you just end up there's no creativity in a lot of ways there's 
people who want to land at the same spot and do the same thing every time where a new map forces you to explore. And I, you know, really miss, <laughs> I really miss walking in the middle of like the, the city area on the war zone map and a sniper picks me off and I go, Oh, that's a good spot for sniping. Mm-hmm. And then take that spot. Like right now, you know, everybody knows where everybody hides for, for the most part. And I give the, I give the map credit for being as big as it is. But yeah, I, I just feel like it needs to, it needs to update, either do a completely new map or add something at least a little bit visually appealing. Yeah. I mean, we've had the same map for nine months, right? Since it came out in March. And then Rebirth Island is is a rehash of an older map from Black Ops 4. Mm -hmm. So, yeah, it were definitely due for a new map there, hopefully soon. Uh, Number eight for me is going to be the Mafia 1 remaster, not to be confused with 2 and 3. Um, and again, when like I was talking about with Super Mario, this is a taking an old game and taking the time to completely remaster it, make it look good on next gen consoles, next gen in quotation, because this was Xbox One and PS4. Uh, and just making a game that I have the original Mafia on PS2. And as much as I love that story, it's almost borderline unplayable today. Um, the contr- the controls are terrible. Shooting in that game was awful, but back then, that's what you were used to, so it didn't seem as bad. But them changing the control scheme so that it was actually playable and you know updating the graphics so it didn't look as bad as it used to, um, it was just amazing to play through that game again. Mafia, I think I've said a million times, is one of my favorite series. So to see that done so well was great and i'm glad that they put that out there now if they would have done the other two and three with that care it may have been higher up on my list as i like i could have put it together as a package but just as by itself the very first mafia remastered is a solid solid number eight for me yeah and mafia remastered you would talk so highly of it and you know it's in my backlog of you know hundreds of games that feel Mm -hmm. like it's in my backlog right now (laughs) <laughs> but you know it's definitely something i want to play be just because it reminds me of you know it's it's going to be more interactive than i think la noir was because i don't have to deal with it's you know and la noir i know i know was a game that was kind of groundbreaking at yeah. the time but the doubting of people and this revolutionary tech of like the face stuff you know i could have done without it you know if la noir was a detective um shooting game with a pretty decent story it would have been fine and with mafia it's the kind of a game i think i'd like because one i don't have to do the detective part right and two it's being in the mafia which you know you're <laughs> going to be shooting up people and having fun correct so uh, you know that's that's definitely something you know i wish i had time to play this year but i didn't get it yeah and the one thing that they can't change that hasn't aged well um is just the fact that this game is open world but you literally just go from mission to mission. So there is no like, you know, wandering around the world and and driving to your next mission. It just takes you from one to the next. And it does have an option on the main title screen to just go and drive around the city, but there's nothing really to do. Um, So there's no real reason to do that. But as a, just as like a story-based game, it's fantastic and something you can get through in like 10 to 15 hours and be done with it and had a good time with it. And that's really all you can ask for. Perfect. 
All right. Next on the list for me is going to be Ghost of Tsushima. Okay. And this game for me, uh, it was I consider this the swan song to PS4. Uh, Sucker Punch, who was the creator of Ghost of Tsushima, made beloved games to me. That was the inf- uh, infamous franchise. Infamous 1, 2, and Second Son, regardless of how any of them were reviewed, were just so much fun games to me. And when I heard they were coming out with something different, I was kind of put off at mm-hmm. first. Because, you know, for me, I would, I you know, I want an infamous Second Son Part 2. <laughs> right. Or something like that. Or something that explores the superhero morality type thing where you know your decisions not only change the way the story goes but also change how your powers react to you and that kind of thing and with ghost shishima i kind of came in with just average expectations i didn't expect to like it as much as it did but ghost shishima is this wonderful like beautiful hdr gorgeous gaming fest in a lot of ways and visually it looks stunning and I think in a lot of ways it came out at a pretty decent time. And I'm going into my other hobbies here, but, you know, Demon Slayer, a super popular anime that came out this year, ended up, you know, also rekindling, you know, my want to play something in Feudal Era Japan, where you're, you know, you're a samurai and you're going through and doing a whole bunch of samurai stuff. And what ghost shishima does well is it makes you you can either go stealth or you can go traditional samurai stuff and while the stealth stuff is a little bit kind of weird in a lot of ways the the samurai aspect of the game is just so awesome the fact that i can go up to an enemy fortress and instead of the enemies just challenging me i can challenge or rushing me you can challenge them and pick off you know with certain abilities, you can pick off four or three all in the beginning mm-hmm. and continue to go through the the fort or the area with um, kind of picking them off from then on out. And the, the respect that it has to samurai culture, samurai movies as well, I just think, you know, shows a lot of how much research they did in going into Ghost Tsushima. And it's it's a beautiful game it's it's awesome i i really loved the ending the ending is really good and it's something that i only you know i didn't get to finish it when the first game when it when it first came out i only finally beat ghost shishima recently and the ending can change depending on what you do in the game and it's it's just wonderful uh the the samurai uh, and, and the samurai fights are just fun. The gadgets you get to use, the narrative it tells between your father and the thief who saved you, and you know the, the kind of the morality concept of all that and how it goes against traditional samurai ways. Yeah, I wish that I didn't bounce off this game because <laughs> just for the sole purpose of how highly everybody talks about it, um, but I just could not get into this game for some reason. Like it, it looks gorgeous. It's fantastic. Um, I did enjoy like the, you know, taking somebody on one on one in a duel. I thought was cool, but there was just something about it that just did not click with me. But I'm glad that you enjoyed it. At least half of us did. <laughs> For sure, yeah. <laughs> uh, all right, number seven, I have Resident Evil Three. 
um, which I'm assuming is on your list somewhere, but we don't have to go into that. Uh, again, another remaster. This is the year of remasters, I guess. Um, such a good, concise, to the point game. Um, I don't even know. I don't remember how long it took to beat. Do you remember? It was short. Um, yeah, like less like than it was, ten hours. Oh yeah, for sure. I, I almost yeah. think in a lot of ways it was like a six yeah hour thing. I remember beating it over a weekend. Yep, I'm pretty sure. And if it was any longer than ten hours, I don't think I would have beaten it. Yeah, but I, I think it was like a a six to eight hour um story. yeah depending on how much you kind of poked around the world there but um resident evil 2 last year was a great remake this is continuing that tra tradition with resident evil 3 um just like throws you into the action and lets you go and it doesn't really stop until the credits and you know nemesis is a great villain that's just kind of constantly showing up and annoying you um but yeah just when i needed a game that wasn't a bazillion hours this came out and it just filled that void perfectly for me and it gave me everything i wanted out of it and i have literally zero complaints about this game everything about it to me was just a ton of fun and i know you enjoyed it too yeah resident evil's great and just as a heads up we will get to talking to more about that anyway yeah so i'll go ahead and go into my next one okay going to go which is going to be demon souls Okay. And Demon's Souls, I I had to put it on the list. One, because I think it's it's the first next-gen experience that I've gotten to have. Because this is the only game on my list that isn't available on any previous gen or on a computer. This is the first PS5 exclusive yep. that you can get your hands on right now. And what it goes to show is first how powerful the ps5 is because demon souls has never looked better which which you know makes sense considering that when it came out it was on ps3 but blue point studios took the liberty and made this game and just kind of blew it out of the water it did better with graphics it did better with boss mechanics it did better with movement it did better with you know kind of class customization with 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 the demon souls and dark souls games you you usually build up your person to be one specific thing pretty much and mm -hmm. in demon souls there is so much more flexibility to you know be this archer person who can also uh, sorry a sword user who could also use the bow whereas in the original games you pretty much just use a sword or you just used magic and I think Demon Souls does a great way of being flexible to each person's play style. You can still succeed by just going in and pouring all of your, you know, skill points into health and damage or health and magic. And you can still pretty much go through the game without a lot of issues. But the the game is gorgeous, the load times are fast, and everything that they creatively did to the bosses and the movement I think all added to the game, it made it even easier for people to enjoy. And someone who's played all of the Demon, you know, Demon Dark, Blood, Souls, Sekiro games, this one has had kind of the biggest impact on me, just because it was, first it was a nostalgia ride, which I had a lot of fun with, and it was, it, it's it's really, you know, the the next-gen experience, which is something that 
I guess for the most part, I was afraid we weren't going to get to experience until later in the console's life. Yeah. And this just goes to peak at what these consoles can do. Um, as the PS4's life dragged out in a lot of ways, or even the Xbox, the games continued to look better, do more things with what the system had to offer. They were able to somehow draw more power out of it. And if Demon Souls is the starting point for this generation, I think we're in the future, we're in for even more. Yeah. Um, groundbreaking games. I, I'm really proud. I, just, I came up with all that on my head. I'm actually really proud of <laughs> my, my little monologue with Demon Souls there. <laughs> this one was kind of a bummer for me because uh, I wanted something from the next gen systems that was like, this is your next gen game. This is why you need this new console. And for me personally, not that the game isn't good, but I know that I don't like Dark Souls and Demon Souls and those type of games. So it's kind of a bummer to me to be like, you know, that is as of right now, the definition of next gen. But I know I'm going to bounce off that game super hard, which is the main reason why I didn't get a PS5 at launch. I just went with the Xbox. I'm still kind of waiting for that next gen game for me on either console. And I don't know what that is going to be yet. So I am kind of jealous of everybody who enjoys those games that they got a true next gen experience. And I'm still sitting over here waiting. <laughs> Hopefully <laughs> soon. <laughs> uh, number six. And I think we're probably going to start getting into stuff that cross over on both lists soon, if not now. Um, Spider-Man Miles Morales is my number six game. M might seem low. But I, well, first off, I think I have to mention it. We're on the same page here. I have it as six. Okay, that surprised me. I, I thought you would think it was too low, but so I guess we can both talk about it then. Exactly. Um, yeah. What a good game! Again, another game that's concise and to the point, which I love because it seems like ninety nine percent of the games this year are over, you know, inflated as far as how long they take to beat. Um, Miles Morales is a fantastic character. Um, his the story in this was fantastic. I like the villain. Um, just everything about it. It takes everything that I loved about the original Spider-Man game and just improves on it. And you can call it an expansion, but I don't think it is. It is to me a standalone game that's using the same engine, just like the Uncharted Lost Legacy, which I also love. So I'll let you talk about it too. But just a fantastic game. Yeah, Spider-Man Miles Morales. I, I I agree with you on a lot of points that you mentioned and as someone who's playing through spider-man remastered and spider-man miles morales you know first off the the web slinging in the game i'll admit it doesn't look too much different and i think that has to go to show with how insomnia insomniac did with remastering the original um spider-man game that they released and i think really the only thing that's keeping me from not putting miles morales higher is i do think the villain like in general was a little bit weaker than what we got with spider-man remastered because let's be honest it was really hard to top that it was um and and maybe that's a little bit of my own um own my own over expectation of what they might have or what they could have done with miles morales but sony took advantage of how popular miles morales continues to be since yep. spider-verse came out and they put all of his powers in such a fun way into the game that continues to keep you involved and keeps you pretty much on your toes and allows you to 
especially like with the stealth gameplay, takes it to that next level where Peter Parker can't turn invisible, but Miles Morales can. And I think that has a lot to do with opening the door up for more stealth gameplay and requiring missions to be in stealth. Yep. And with Spider-Man Miles Morales, like the villain was weaker. I, I, you know, I wish it was longer. I do wish, you know, the, the game introduced something else that made it longer, but Insomniac was under a lot of pressure to probably get a shorter version of Spider-Man out for the PS five. And that's that's really my only thing and they did charge less for that they did charge less for this game because it's insomniac and sony probably agreed that it's not a full-on it's a it's a 1.5 yeah and not a spider-man 2 yeah i think they 100 percent could have if they had the time made this a a full-on you know, Spider-Man 2 slash Miles Morales if they had the time, but they didn't. And they wanted to get this out for the new consoles, which I understand. So unlike a game like Cyberpunk where it got rushed out the door, I have no doubt this game was rushed, but, you know, they they knew the time that they had to work with and they made it work. Um, instead of trying to give us a 15 to 20 hour game that was just probably like full of a whole bunch of side missions that were boring and repetitive, they just stuck with a very straight to the point story. And I liked the villain. I thought that it just like it was a very personal villain for Miles, which I thought was cool. Um, but yeah, it, I think it was smarter them to go with somebody like that instead of bringing out like a more well-known villain, which I'm sure they're probably saving for the next Spider-Man game, the actual next Spider-Man game. Yeah, what, for do sure. they call that do they call that Spider-Man 2? I feel like they have to because (laughs) they're both they're both Spider-Man. Yeah. So I think Spider-Man 2 works there. And you'll probably play as both, I would think. Yeah. And I and I hope that game's expectations blow me out of the water because there's Insomniac probably has to realize that the next Spider-Man game's expectations are probably on the levels of a Cyberpunk 2077, Mm -hmm. just off of recent memory. And I just hope that whether it's four, six years from now, who knows when we get the next Spider-Man game, mm-hmm. that it ends up, you know, living up to everybody's expectations because these these games are so much fun. There's so much to do in the in this world, and you know, I did want to mention just specifically, Spider Spider-Man Miles Morales takes place kind of during the holiday Christmassy season. One, it looks great. It looks yeah. fantastic, and two, the 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 Spanish Harlem and while it's not a huge part of the game, the Spanish Harlem and the way Miles talked to his, talks to his mom, and the way they talk to each other in Spanish, it it means a lot to me coming from someone who's who's Latino, and mm-hmm. it's just nice to see more of that in the game. And Cyberpunk did it as well. Cyberpunk, you know, mixed that border between the instead of just changing the language to full on English, they, they add in that Spanish aspect. And for me, that emotionally means more to me than what they probably realize. Yeah. So that's, yeah, that's just something that, you know, Miles Morales, I think did so well, especially during the sequence when you're walking around before your, um, before Rio Morales's speech. Yes. Yeah. That was done very well. 
I honestly wouldn't be surprised if we get another Spider-Man game, not this coming year, but like 2022, honestly. Um, but we'll see. Uh, we could just jump to number five for me since we both had that for number six. Number five is going to be a super hot VR. And I know people will be like, well, that game came out a couple of years ago. It didn't for me. And it also came out on the Oculus Quest 2 this year. So I'm counting it. Again, that's my opinion. And that's the benefits of having your own podcast as we can do what we want. But super hot VR, I have to put it on here. Um, this was the East Central VR experience for me so far. Had so much fun. I think I've beaten it like twice now. Um, just an insane way to get introduced to VR. At this point, I'm pretty sure everybody knows what Superhot is or has played it either in VR or on a console or a PC at some point. So I don't really need to explain it that much. But if you have a VR, you're interested in a VR, this is the game to get. So I had to put it high on the list, but obviously not super high. So number five for me. Yeah, super hot VR, and there there really is no complaints for me for this because su- super hot is such a fun game to also watch. Mm-hmm. Like, um, I follow a YouTube channel, Funhouse, and they did like a VR thing with super hot, and and what they do is they showed the screen of what's going on in the screen and what the person is doing like in real life, <laughs> and kind of the funny moments you get from that were just a lot of fun to watch and the the creativity that there is with um super hot is really unique the fact that you can do small things like slap someone's gun out of their hand take Mm -hmm. it throw it and then if it's empty or you know sorry shoot the gun and then throw it to to kill the person that's made of glass because they all die in one hit but you do as well yep so the Super Hot, I think, is one of those games that, you know, does more than probably what people wanted it to be, but it's fantastic mm-hmm. that they did it that way. The fact that you can throw a, a wine bottle and someone dies is is fun. And it just adds that it adds that extra level of un, uh, unexpectedness that is nice to have in these games because you can play super hot multiple times. And if you're willing to try something new, you're going to, you're going to, it's going to be another like wow moment for you. (laughs) Yeah. Every time I play it, I I seem to find something new. Like I played through, it probably takes, you know, maybe two hours, three hours to get through like the main story. It's not really a story, but the main missions. Um, And I played through the whole thing once and I was playing through it and kind of messing around with it before I realized that, I could pick up a pan and block bullets. Um, I could cut bullets in half with knives. Um, I could even block an incoming bullet with my gun that was in my hand. Um, Not just like knocking guns out of people's hands, but just straight up if they were close enough, taking it out of their hand. And then they kind of like go back like surprised that you took it from them. There's just like all these little things that you find. Um, Or even some of the levels that you replay and be like, oh, I didn't even realize that there was this behind me that I could use or that I'm hiding behind this cover, but I can literally lean around the cover and shoot around it. It's just all these little things that they put in there that you won't see unless you play it multiple times. So replay value is insanely high. Perfect. So then for me, the next one is going to be Resident Evil 3. Okay. it, It has a lot of the same things that, spider-man miles morales is it's a shorter game 
that yes, mm-hmm. they did charge full price for. Yeah. But the Resident Evil 3 is also a game that delivers such a different um, story than what Spider uh, Spider-Man Miles Morales did. And, you know, I'll be the first one to admit, I'm not super into scary games. And Resident Evil 3, while I think kind of was surprising and jump scary in the beginning, was more action-based um, later, on in the, later on in the game. And following the two people jill and i forget his name too (laughs) i think it's spanish it is he was definitely spanish let me look it up real quick is Uh, it carlos i think it it might be carlos uh did i get it michael yeah it's carlos yep yeah hell's yak carlos oliviera there we go. So kind of running through those two and the fact that they're pretty much two different characters, they get two different weapons. It's not something where, you know, you're playing the same story through two or, or the same the same story through the same character. Jill and Carlos are two different people, two different guns, set of guns, yep. and they kind of go through two different you know levels as well sometimes you share them and sometimes you don't but you know with carlos because he has an m4 i can you feel a lot more powerful you you can take on those bigger bosses in a lot of ways and with jill until later in the game when she starts getting the bigger guns you know you feel as though you're weaker because you also have nemesis coming uh to to get you and the fact that you know she's a she's a badass explicit time time to get the explicit out yep the way um just goes to show how much you know each story had their own emotional moments and each of their separate stories you know made you feel a certain way and i think that that does really well with the storyline and i just wish you know i wish resident evil 3 was longer I wish <laughs> while it was fun to beat it in a weekend for me, Resident Evil three, you know, is one of those experiences that I really liked. And the fact that um, it's not something kind of in typical zombie fashion where everybody dies. Mm-hmm. It's something where there's a, there's a lot more to it. There's, you know, uh, a government plot behind it with how Nemesis is formed. And the fact that Nemesis is just so freaking hard to put down he, <laughs> yeah. every time you think you get him he they come up with a way to make it so he he continues to follow you around until you eventually have to pull out you know this almost sci-fi looking weapon to <laughs> yeah. finally to finally put him away and it's and that climactic moment was just so much fun just because it's it's we're fine you're finally at the point at that game where you're like oh i got this i got this badass weapon finally and this thing looks like it could finally kill nemesis and you know it finally does yep just a great game all around i already said my piece so i don't need to add any more to that (laughs) number four is one that you already mentioned uh warzone is going to be a number four for me just it has to be high up there just for the amount of time I put into it. It has to be days of in-game time for me. Um, I've already talked about it when you talked about it, but the battle pass I thought was great. 
Um, I feel like you get value out of it. And the fact that if you complete the battle pass, you have enough, uh, you know, call of duty points to get the next one, which is always nice. Um, the small changes that they did for me worked pretty well. Um, and also there was, I always had a decent amount of people to play with and playing that game with people is miles better than playing by yourself. Um, the solo mode is just people hiding everywhere, which is not fun, but with, you know, the year that we've had and even cold war coming out and me just going directly back to Warzone instead of staying on cold war says a lot about that game and, and how good it is. So Warzone is super high up on my list and it's something that I'll still be playing next year for sure. Yeah, and I've kind of said my piece with Warzone, and mm -hmm. even now, you know, you see me, I'm playing it a lot more now because I'm playing it with friends. Yep. And the fact that it, and, and the fact it's something where it's Call of Duty, I know I can get right back into it because there's no heroes that are special. There's no building mm -hmm. like how it is in Fortnite. So Call of Duty tends to be kind of the most simplest version of Battle Royale that you can get into right now. And, the fact that they probably could have charged for it and it's free is, is a really good deal. Yep, absolutely. Yeah, so number four for me is going to end up being Hades. Oh, wow. Now, Lower yes. than I thought. Yes, and you'll probably figure out why as we continue to go on through here, <laughs> if you haven't already added the dots up. Mm -hmm. uh, Hades for me, uh, is that was a game that I was streaming and I had been on all before Hades 1.0 came out. Mm -hmm. So all of you people who joined up at <laughs> version one, you're all just a bunch of followers, and I'm one of the originals, I guess, as well. Yep. I'm the real Slim Shady. Early adopter. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Early adopter. And what I loved about Haiti so much is just that, and in these, when we're getting into these, you know, next couple games, there aren't a lot of negatives that we can, either of us can talk about. Yeah. It's... Hades is kind of the first roguelite that I was playing religiously every day for eight hours. And the fact that, you know, early access, I got to be part of the, of the people, you know, reporting bugs and trying to make the game better. And even in that, when 1.0 came out, the, the ending of Hades, while it's a roguelike is pretty good. At least I'd say so, because that was one of the things that early access people never got was to see what the ending was. Mm -hmm. And with Hades, no matter how many runs you go on, it's like a, it's a completely different game and it's so much fun. You make certain classes, whether it's with each weapon or whether it's with the boons you get from Greek gods. And I am the Greek mythology person. I <laughs> Yes, you are. I love Greek mythology. I love Greek tales because they're all just, I think they're just so much fun. And Hades, no matter how many runs it feels like you're going on, there is something, each character has something new to say. And even one of the other days I kind of found out while listening to an interview with Supergiant, Supergiant Games is only really a team of 20 people. And... I said before, you know, how many times can an indie studio continue to be nominated for all these indie games when all you continue to release is good games, like with Bastion and Transistor, with what Supergiant came out with. And to hear that they're much smaller than I ever expected, you know, just goes to show that 
Hades is a game that's roguelike and it was made by only 20 people. And it's, it's this fantastic, wonderful game. And I think in video gaming, that's, this is one of the few mediums where you can have something like that. You can have 20 people build something and it become crazy. Cause even among us was made by three people. Yep. So movies take all of these camera crew actions. A lot of the times it takes like a whole camera crew. It takes a director. It takes actors where, you know, you quickly for a lot of big budget films, um, realize that you're over 20 people in a lot of ways. And to hear that a game developer like super giant only has 20 people in the studio and, the fact that they continue to put out these great games and what seems to be the culmination of it all right now is Hades was just this fantastic story that I fell in love with. And Hades Hades in every way is a game that I think there's something for everybody to really enjoy and love. Yeah, and I still haven't played it. It's on my list, though. Once I get done with Cyberpunk, I think that's what I'm going to go to. Even yeah, though I still have to play Assassin's Creed, I'm, I, it's on my list. Yeah, we both have gigantic backlogs. <laughs> yeah. yeah. All right. Number three. And I feel like when people hear this, they're going to be like, wait a minute. That's too low. But again, this is where I put it. So I'm prepared for the backlash. Number three, Last of Us Part Two. All um, right. That and is I know you're probably, you're probably yeah. thinking, wait that a minute. What are, what are the other two? But Last of Us Part Two for me is number three. And that's not to discredit this game in any way. When we did our, you know, spoiler podcast, spoiler cast, you know, I specifically remember saying this is one of the best games of the generation, one of the best games of all time, I thought. And I still believe that. Um, But part of it has to do with this game has won a million awards, right? And there's two other games that I feel like may in my opinion last of us may be slightly better of a game but i feel like the other two games deserve more praise um so that's why i put it at three but just in general one of the best stories i've seen in a game the one of the best you know fleshed out characters in a game i've ever seen and just like for you with ghosts um just for me this was the swan song of the ps4 for me and just they literally squeezed everything out of the PS4 for that game. Like I'm surprised my PS4 did not blow up when I played this game because it looked gorgeous. The sound design was fantastic. We were talking about the whistle before. Um, and just, I enjoyed every second of that game and man, I could not put that game down until I finished it. So hats off to them. Naughty Dog, I don't, in my opinion, hasn't really made a bad game um, that I've played so far. So I will continue to trust them until they change my opinion on that. But just an insanely good game. If you have not played that game, you need to go play it. If you don't even, if you don't own a PS4 or a PS5, this is one of the games that I would say would be worth getting a Sony console for. Yeah, and I absolutely agree with you. And. You know, getting in, getting into my top three. You know, we're getting into the sacred holy ground territory now of, <laughs> yep. of games for both of us. For for me, number three is Final Fantasy VII remake. Okay, and I know, I know, eventually we're going to talk about it. So, mm-hmm. 
for Final Fantasy VII Remake, what I'm going to point out is I don't have the emotional connection to the original. Yep. But I've played Final Fantasies before. I've played through them all. So I tend, I kind of, in these games, do a lot of the same things in a lot of ways. But what's different about Final Fantasy VII Remake is, you know, one, this is, it has one of the villains that's probably one of the most known villains in gaming history. Considering yep. that, you know, Sephiroth is also now in Smash. <laughs> yeah. And Cloud, who is also a really well-known character, who is also in Super Smash Bros. Ultimate. And I, and so far, because this only is part one mm-hmm. of, the, of the entire, you know, remake thing that they're doing, is I, I don't feel like I missed out on a lot. And I don't know if I did because, in all honesty, I'm I probably won't play the original, right. uh, Final Fantasy VII. But I don't feel like I'm losing out on anything yet. Like, first off, Final Fantasy VII remake is is a gorgeous looking game. It's not as HDR spectacular as Ghost of Tsushima is, but it is downright gorgeous in all its own right. And the set pieces are what gets me in. Uh, in Final Fantasy, the moment you're climbing the stairs, the moment Sector 7 falls mm-hmm. down, oh yep. man, I'm good. I got it, man. <laughs> I, the fact that I can still remember some details like this just goes to show <laughs> why you should be playing this game. Mm-hmm. Because the the escaping from Shinra Tower, is it Shinra? Man, yeah, it is. Yep. It totally is it. Shinra. Yep. So, like, Final Fantasy 7 Remake kind of builds up in a way that not a lot of the other Final Fantasies do because this one isn't the last that we're going to see a Final Fantasy 7 and all of the other Final Fantasy 7 and all the other Final Fantasies I've played you kind of reach this end point to where it's you're at the final boss it's this god tier final boss and you know you're at the end of the game what I liked about the remake was the, the fact that you get to have this experience of fighting Sephiroth in the final fight, but you you still know it's not over. I still get to emotionally connect with all of these characters even more, which just makes me more excited because in all of the other Final Fantasies, you pretty much stop at the end of that game and you never see them again unless you were talking about Final Fantasy seven thirteen, which... Final Fantasy, Final Fantasy thirteen two. I'm sorry, I'm saying Final Fantasy a lot, <laughs> but thir- thirteen two was one of like it's still probably one of my favorite games of all time, mm-hmm. in in what that game did. And Final Fantasy seven kind of took that all up and did and did fantastically with it. And it's one of those final boss sequences that you get with Sephiroth. That's just like this jaw dropping moment of like gorgeous effects, gorgeous, um, like gorgeous set piece, like player, um, atmospheres or landscapes and, uh, everything with it. And you kind of also final fantasy kind of lets you know the stakes before you, um, before you continue to go further into the game where the stakes, you know, are going to gradually build, build up in a way that makes sense. Where in final fantasy, other games you end up facing a god at the end and while we all know how final fantasy 7 is going to end most likely you know Mm -hmm. um 
I'm I'm looking forward to it. I'm interested to see what they do. I'm interested to see um what kind of creative liberties they take because it's also taking Final Fantasy VII Crisis Core and building up on the backstory of Cloud. Yep. And I think that we are going to get this entire amalgamation of Final Fantasy VII that's going to end up, you know, I hope blows my mind <laughs> at some point. And I know I've said a lot about it and we're going to mm-hmm. eventually continue to talk about it. So I'll, I'll yep. stop there for right now. <laughs> yeah, I won't say anything because obviously it's it's one of the last two spots for me because I haven't said it yet. So I will just save it for that. Um, number two for me and this i think will be a little bit of a surprise is the tony hawks pro skater one and two remaster i was Um, wondering when we were going to talk about it this is good this is good this was i you know originally i had last of us at two um but i feel like this deserves to be very very high just because of the amount of care that they took with remaking these two games um as you know somebody who I went out, I mean, those games when they first came out hit me at the right time because I was a younger kid who loved skateboarding. Um, and you know, that first Tony Hawk game came out on the PlayStation one and I was there day one at an electronics boutique buying that thing, um, took it home and played it for weeks nonstop. And just being able to play it now, with the updated graphics and the controls still feel the same as I remember the music is still there. Um, and it just, you know, it brings back that nostalgia for you. And it was just everything that I hoped would be when they announced that they were doing this, because when they first announced it, I was pretty skeptical and nervous that they were going to mess this up. I mean, the last Tony Hawk game we had uh, pro skater five was terrible. So I had not a whole lot of faith, but, they they killed this one. They knocked it out of the park. So I'm excited that it did so well and it's receiving awards. So hopefully they can go through and make the rest of these games, remaster them and also make some new ones. Uh, but just far surpassed what I expected out of it. And I still play it quite a bit now. And I'm going to continue to play it just like, you know, probably about at least once or twice a year I was popping in the original in my original PlayStation and playing through it again. So it's nice to have this version now. So it doesn't look as bad (laughs) and I can still listen to the same music and it still controls the way I expect to to control. So number two for me, and I think it deserves to be there. And I've, I I don't think you're wrong. We, we did talk about kind of the cultural impact of what also bringing something like skater XL Mm -hmm. back kind of did for it. The, and I think you could kind of put it in both ways. While Skater XL may be more of like a realistic expect, um, yeah, skater thing, uh, Tony Hawk is more of the arcade, fun, bombastic yep. type of throwback to skating games. And while it's not a game I played as a child or played when the remake came out, I know it's still something that's dear to a lot of people. And I can tell just by the way people rave and talk about this game, it deserves the praise that you're giving it. Mm-hmm. and Tony Hawk, um, and, and that's all we can hope for, is that this starts the revolution of bringing back, you know, more Tony Hawk games, whether it's a remaster of Underground 1 and 2, or it's or it's 
maybe even coming up with fresh new ideas that you can get from from skateboarding games. Maybe it doesn't need to be Tony Hawk. Maybe it can be something else instead. But the all the love and care that went into this game, uh, from from what I've seen, just goes to show you know how much fun those type of games can be because it's something where and we've talked about it before like sean palmer pro snowboarding (laughs) is i guess your equivalent to that or my equivalent to that game where it's snowboarding but it's this bombastic you know collecting letters and you know making things blow up in (laughs) in weird ways or doing certain tricks and stuff like that that it's it's just fun you you all the games that we play a lot of the time seem to be grounded in realism where, you know, skateboarding is such a real thing, but you can make it fun and make it your own. And I think pro skater does that. Yeah, absolutely. Hats off to them. Yeah. So once I say number two, you're going to automatically know what my number one is. <laughs> I'm ready for this. Yeah. So my number two is the last of us two. Mm-hmm. So this shouldn't really come as a surprise that for both Craig and I, the both games that we dedicated an entire episode to are very high on our list. And one day we'll get more into episodes, but uh, get more into like those special episodes, but games are so long now, it's kind of hard for us to do just in general. Yep. But last of us, the, the last of us, the original was such a good game and I didn't expect to be drawn into the story of The Last of Us 2 as I was. Like, Last of Us was good, and it was a lot of fun. And the ending was that drop-dead moment where you're like, oh my god, like, (laughs) what's going to happen? And the fact that they finally come out with 2 to give us some sort of closure on that, and in all honesty, I I think it's not what people expected. I think people had this certain ending drawn out, where certain things would happen. And I think with Last of Us 2, the whole story was different from what we thought it was going to be. And I don't want to get into certain spoilers with this with this game. I think this is the one game I really don't want to spoil. And you already talked about it, so I'm going to avoid some spoilers as well. Mm-hmm. But it's something where, you know... My brother was watching me play, and he was into it. He was having, you know, the the story draws you in that much. And the fact that you're going through these, you know, locales in Seattle, and you're building a connection with all of these characters in a way, whether you like them or not, and that's pretty much big (laughs) to everybody in, in that community, just goes to show the they were brave in the steps they took with this game. Because, um... It's not just a father, foe-daughter relationship. It's, you know, um, it's a love story in a lot of ways um, for all the characters. And each of them kind of loves someone in their own right and ends up hurting them in some way. And the, the story is what I keep talking about because the story was so much fun. And, you know, Last of Us 2 was one of the games that I spent an entire three days. And I'm pretty sure I spent over 10 hours a day <laughs> trying to finish this game in an entire week. And in a lot of ways, I'm so glad that I did that because a part of, a part of 2020 for me will be the memory of me just sitting in my, it's sitting in my apartment here 
and going through the game. And I didn't do anything else but eat, sleep, and play that game. And it's it's a memory. It's almost like a movie for me where some people jump from game to game like in the middle of story. I didn't do that with The Last of Us 2. I got to experience as almost if it was a whole movie where it's all I played, it's what I thought about, it's what I you know, woke up about. Um, <laughs> excited to play this game. And the sound design was also spectacular. We talk about the whistle scene. Mm-hmm. And you could probably look it up on YouTube, but it doesn't do its service unless you have a good headset or a good home theater. Yep. I have a pretty good home theater. And that whistle scene was nuts. That was <laughs> Resident Evil 3, you know, I thought was scary. And then the whistle, the whistle scene in The Last of Us 2 scared me so much more than anything in anything that would have anything that should have happened. And I know we talked about that, but I'm smiling looking back at it because it's it's just something I didn't expect from The Last of Us to to add that element of surprise. Yeah. And you know, the The Last of Us 2 is a fantastic game in in almost every single way. I know other people have gripes about it, but for me I liked everything that they did with The Last of Us 2, and for me, it was a good closure to The Last of Us. I don't think I need another one. No. And I'm com- I am absolutely okay with that. You know, a lot of the times people never want good things to end, but how The Last of Us 2 ends it puts this, and I'll admit, somber bow on <laughs> on the game, and you're just sitting there like, yeah, that was that's the end of that story, right. and and it was worth it. It was a trip that we might not have needed, based on what happened in the last in the first part of Last of Us, but a journey I was excited to go on nonetheless. Yeah, yeah, I know it is a very I guess controversial game with you know the amount of hate it got but just all around a fantastic game like you I I don't want them to make another one I also don't want them to make another uncharted I want them to just go somewhere else and try something new because I'm sure they'll kill it so it deserves to be as high as it is and if you don't like it that's okay but it's just a, it to me it's it's a masterpiece it was one of, it was and I will say it's one of yeah. the few games that I probably you know I believe personally deserved all the mar- all the marks that it got. Yeah. While it's kind of oversaturated I think with awards um it's because a lot of people like the game and yeah. you know it just goes to show how you know the the love for the game and and in a lot of ways in life love will always outweigh the hate you hear about it. So True. True. So I don't think the uh, number one is any surprise then for anybody, for me, but it is the Final Fantasy VII Remake. Again, this is a game that took, I don't, I've lost count of how many years to make and had it was a game that I was 100% convinced would not live up to my expectation and my nostalgia for one of my favorite games of all time, um, but it did. And the stuff they added to the game made sense and it really gave you more of a backstory on some characters that were glossed over in the original game. They kept, you know, they were very faithful to the original and uh, literally no complaints. Maybe that 
mission where you have to find the cats would be my only complaint because that was ridiculous. I can can agree with that. I can agree with that. (laughs) But that's really like my only complaint. It looked fantastic. It played well. Um, Them, you know, changing the battle system from turn-based to action-oriented works. Um, And it's just great. And I hope that we get these other parts to it in a decent amount of time. I know it's going to take time to make games, especially if they want it to look and perform as good as this one did. But as long as we get those in a decent time, this will go down as, you know, again, one of my favorite games of all time. So I'll have the original on a pedestal, but I think these will be pretty close to it as well. So my number one game for the year is 100% Final Fantasy VII Remake. And I think, and I think with that too, and I'm glad we got to talk about it again because one thing we never mentioned, I think, was the battle system for it. Yeah. And while I did talk about, you know, how battle systems I think need to change in a lot of ways, where the original was turn based, mm-hmm. um, Final Fantasy VII Remake is a fun hybrid of what Kingdom Hearts combat is, and what Final Fantasy VII or Final Fantasy combat is as well, where it's almost like turn-based but there's a whole lot more action in between everything and that that is to the benefit of for me it's to the benefit of final fantasy just in general that there's more of this action combat sort of thing and there's a command deck that you know you go through for your spells your action and your special moves and um one thing that I don't think that they had to do was let you kind of control other people in the party, but it was really fun to do so. It's kind of their own unique way of letting you play to your own style, yeah. whether it's, you know, Cloud the Attacker, Barrett the Tank Long Range, or Aerith the Healer, or, you know, for Tifa, who's the melee tank as well. So you kind of got to play in your own way without having to build an entire class out. For, for the way you wanted to play. You could just switch to them whenever you wanted. Right. Just a fantastic, fantastic game. Yeah. Now, here's what I'll do. If you had to guess what my number one is, Craig. Yes. What is it going to be? I'm going to be honest with you. I don't know. Because okay. I was thinking it was either going to be Final Fantasy or The Last of Us. And I, I am drawing a blank on what else you were high about this year besides Hades. See, I'm kind of surprised, but the moment I say it, you're going to you're going to be like, "Oh, yeah, like this." Yeah, is I know I'm forgetting about. something. <laughs> yeah. So, before I get into number one, I had such a long conversation with myself because <laughs> this game, I you know, I had a lot of trouble trying to figure out if I was going to put it on my list at all, mm-hmm. and that's because my number one is Persona Five Royal. That makes sense. And, <laughs> yeah. And the thing is with with this and my dilemma with it was is Persona 5 came out in 2018. Persona 5 Royal came out, of course, in 2020. Mm-hmm. Now, the, the, the dilemma I have is, is it's pretty much the same game other than Royal added a couple things. But as I mentioned at the top of this special here, it's my game of the it's my game of the year and I can do what I want. It's my list and it's yep. my it's our podcast. It's something where I can do whatever I want with it. So one of the things that I'm going to say is if I took out Persona 5 Royal, you could move everything up a spot, put Last of Us 2 at number 1, mm-hmm. and then put 
Animal Crossing at number 10. Okay. I know I came with a plan and that's, <laughs> and that's, the, that's just the kind of paranoid person I am because and now I'll finally get into why um, Persona 5 deserves everything that it gets. And it's because not only is this a hundred hour plus JRPG that y- you, you really get into in a lot of ways, but Persona 5 Royal adds to it, makes it better, adds new activities and ends and puts a new storyline into Persona at the end of it that also makes it worth it. And much like how Last of Us 2 was a game that I binged for three days, imagine 100 hours of gameplay for Persona 5. The same thing but magnified over so many different days. Yeah. And... Persona Persona 5, just in general, and Royal, takes the story to, you know, the story's fantastic. You know, you, you're a kid that's pretty much hated, no matter where you go, and all the drama kind of lines up on you. And then you're kind of in charge of taking bad people out, even though the entire world has outcasted you as some sort of, you know, criminal record student. And Persona 5 Royal just just adds to it and it's a game that especially you know if it came out during closer to lockout like march or april territory i think that this is a game that got a lot of people through the lockout because it's such a long game and you know this this was it was the conversation i had to have with myself because i came back from work every day played persona (laughs) went to sleep work played persona and i think it says a lot to persona 5 the original i played through it the same way and two years later to play to to play through the game in the same way i think is i I think is something i never expected out of myself it's it's the kind of feeling when you're young and you don't have a care in the world and all you have to do is come home do homework and then if you're a gamer, you're just going in and playing games and getting lost in those worlds. No one talks to you. No one's texting you. Yep. Um, and that's what Persona 5 Royal brought me back to in much how the 2018 version of Persona 5 did. And I'm, I'm lucky enough to be able to say how much I love this game because we didn't start the show up in 2018. Yeah. So while that's I... True. I, I'm lucky enough to talk about Persona 5 Royal, the definitive version of this game now. And not everybody gets to talk about it, like how how I will or how I get to. But yeah, like I can't the the fact that, you know, we're I'm we're almost in 2021, and the fact that when we for streaming, I just wanna play Persona 5 again. I wanna <laughs> I wanna, you know, have different um like relationships with people i want to continue the same the same story but the addiction to time management is what gets you through that game dungeon crawling is fun and the characters are memorable but the the time management the the way you can pick out if you want to focus on yourself focus on your friends uh focus on leveling up or focus on doing that i think it's kind of the addictive play style of this game and much to how Persona, uh, sorry, how 
Final Fantasy VII was this nostalgia ride for you at number one. Mm-hmm. Persona Five Royal was that nostalgia five for me, but just two years ago. Right. That <laughs> I get to I get to go through that with and. You know, it, it 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 showed me that, like, you know, I was when I played Persona Five in 2018, I was like, man, is there something wrong with me? This is <laughs> this is all I play. This is all I'm doing. But I just realized it's something with with Royal. It's something where the game's just that good. The game is something that I personally relate to on maybe a level that not everybody else does. But Persona Five is just this is this is this game that just took me completely by surprise. I never played Persona Four Golden before Persona Five, and now I'm in love with that gaming series. Much like how Legend of Zelda: Ocarina of Time spawned my love for all the Zelda games, and I can only be more excited for what you know the Atlas, the makers of Persona, have to come out with next. Yeah, that's it, man. That's the list. Yeah. Um, before we get into movies, you know, make sure when I'm going to post, of course, everything that we kind of put on here, make sure you guys email us. Let us know what you guys think about our list, mm-hmm. what maybe we missed when talking about our top 10 favorite games or even your favorite game, because I, I love hearing these discussions. And the fact that we kind of you know craig and i put a bow on it where it's 20 it's it's to 2020 to 2020 yep. where you know it's it's not something like we're in the game awards where it's done in december and those games like cyberpunk never get talked about which luckily i don't think it needed to right <laughs> but, um still regardless i i'm really happy with the way both of our lists came out we had enough differences Mm-hmm. between both of our list and enough of a kind of staggering of everything to where you you get a feel for the type of games we like yep. and um this year in general was fantastic for gaming and we've said it before already but gaming took this massive leap this year with what it, of what corona did and gaming is something that's more um you know uh popular instead of frowned upon than ever before so uh it's it's just fun and hopefully if you're somebody who's just you know you're young and you're just looking at gaming and if for whatever reason you come across this podcast you know hopefully the games that we recommend to you are similar to what they did for us and yeah in you know not only were they fantastic storytelling pieces or fantastic games in general but they also gaming was also kind of like an escape to to the point where you kind of forget that all of the pandemic and all the horrible things that happened this year um actually happened so that's our that's our top 10 list for gaming and i think we we killed it so you know it's what we did (laughs) it's a solid solid list it is. And for those people who are interested in movies of the year, that's going to be our next segment here. Now with the next segment with our pretty much top 10 movies of the year, uh, one, this this isn't going to be as long of a segment, but maybe if you're going across, you know, this podcast and you're looking for movies to watch, this might be this might be a pretty good definitive guide. Yeah, I think uh, with 
with movies, there's definitely a certain taste I have and a certain taste Craig has. Yep. So don't expect us, you know, especially me, to go into a seven-minute monologue about how great <laughs> a game is. Um, with movies, you know, movies are almost like a, uh, like a form of game where it's just not interactive. And it's something where you can get lost. A movie is something you can get lost into for a quick two to three hours and then come back, you know, come back to reality in a lot of ways where yeah. games, where games now are almost all, you know, 10 plus a hundred plus hour things. Yeah. I, I don't, I'm not going to do any spoilers for any of my movies on my list because that would defeat the whole purpose of you going to watch them. Um, so just like general overview for me and just like with games, I have honorable mentions as well. Um, I have two instead of three, like I did for games. And then also I think, since I went first, then I guess you should go first for the movies. We'll switch yes. it up. So for me, I actually took my uh, my honorable mentions out for whatever reason, but I do okay. remember one of them. Okay. Which was Powers. Okay. I yeah. With Jamie Foxx. Now th- there was a lot of hype with that movie. I think for me, um, but like Powers is just a different hero type movie where. You know the the Marvel kind of storytelling can kind of, we kind of know what's going to happen for a lot of it. Where Netflix is kind of not superhero type movie yep. and more like just like a com uh, a, more like you know what powers can be in general in real society. I think was just a cool different way to take it because it's not this it. Powers isn't a movie that you're just going to kind of, oh, this is a, you know, oh, this could be a Marvel movie. Like, no, that's not what Powers is. And it gets that out of it right out of the start. So I, for me. You go ahead. Yeah, sorry. No, go ahead. I was going to say for me, Powers, you know, was um, was an honorable mention just for me. And Powers is just something that's fun and kind of, kind of twists your expectations a little bit because it's not your typical superhero movie. I did have this on my honorable mention, but I took it off because when I was thinking about it and I, and it's not in any way saying it's a bad movie, but I just kind of realized that what powers did, the boys did better. Yeah. Right. So like, that's why I took it off, but it is a good watch. I think it's worth watching for sure. Um, all right. So my two honorable mentions, first one would be Enola Holmes also on Netflix. Um, thoroughly enjoyed that that movie that take on Sherlock Holmes's sister um, thought it was great and enjoyed my time with it. And then my second one was Bill and Ted face the music, a movie that had really no business of being made or being good, but both of those things happened. So I enjoyed my time with it. It was funny. It's Keanu Reeves. So what's not to hate about that. And it's again, I guess this year is just a year of nostalgia for me, but it hit that nostalgia itch for me. Cool. Cool. Give me your um, 10. So number 10 for me, I'm going to start with the old guard. Okay. And I think that's because of my love for uh, Charlize Theron mm-hmm. and action movies with her. She did an awesome job in Atomic Blonde. And I really liked her in the old guard. Um, I, I, I like this idea with that movie where there's always this, there's always these kind of immortal humans that can't die, but are always showing up through in history, saving people. And saving people that are of um, of historical greatness, I guess. And 
I thought Shirley, uh, like the action was great. And I think the side character, because it's pretty much Charlize Theron, who's kind of the um, the leader of the group, and Kiki Lane, who's an ex-military person, who finds out that she has the powers of the old guard um, in the very early stages of the movie. She reacts in a really human way. And it's her and Charlize kind of go and have this back and forth that I think is really compelling. And it's a fun action movie just in general. Yeah. I also have it on my list. So, um, but just pretty much echoing what you said, I think it was a movie that you could see in theaters and be happy seeing and had that theater quality, big release movie to it. I think it was, you know, acted very well and was just a good action movie so solid pick uh number 10 for me i went with the king of staten island i don't know if this is on your list or not but i just had a good time with it i thought it was hilarious um and i really had no expectation out of it um i didn't go into it thinking i was going to enjoy it in the least um i think you had actually watched it first and we're talking about it before i saw it but just a good um comedy that also hits you in the feels and is you know worth the hour and a half to two hours however long it is um just a well put together movie so that's my number 10 yeah and of uh, it is on there so i <laughs> i'm interested to see how our list goes from here yeah <laughs> so i'll just continue to go into it number nine for me is tenant okay now tenant for me would be so much higher yeah if the story didn't become so confusing and convoluted, but the action sequences and the movie in general is, is shot so spectacularly that I can't help but put it on my top 10. Because in a lot of ways, after reading what Tenet was, Tenet was the James Bond movie I didn't get this year. And yeah. to in all honesty, like my bias toward James Bond, no matter how bad no time to die was going to be. It was going to be my number one. I'll tell you that right now. <laughs> and the fact that I hope that it comes out in 2021 means that I get to say it's my number one next year. So I'm going to have a spoiler for y'all that 2021, my number one movie is going to be James Bond, No Time to Die. And I think that's because no matter how bad it's going to be it, or, or how bad it might be, it's just my bias toward the James Bond series and how much I love <laughs> Uh, already pe- penciling it in at number one for next year yeah and and, here, and here's the thing that just goes to show that i i hope and me personally i hope that james bond is that good and two i hope other movies come out that somehow make me not put james bond at number one i want to have that fight with myself but, <laughs> i could go ahead sorry well i was just gonna say like but um because it's becoming more of a James Bond conversation now, but Tenet, Christopher Nolan loves this type of movie that kind of gets lost in these big ideas that he has. And I thought, and I think the movie would not do as well if John David Washington wasn't as good as he was in the lead acting role. And of, you know, I, his act, him as an actor, I've get to see him grow, uh, like do more roles since Ballers, who was he was great in, and now I get to see him in Tenet as awesome, and in um, Black Klansman, he was great as well. So it's, it, I also like to see like this, like an actor like him, just continue to get more roles and continue to kind of kill it. 
in everything he does. And I also think Robert Pattinson's character is also pretty compelling as well. But, you know, as I said, this movie would be a lot higher had I not gotten so confused. And maybe I'm dumb. Maybe that's it. Maybe my brain's too small <laughs> to understand this, the reverse, uh, the reverse parallel world. So, yeah, I couldn't put it on my list just because I thought it was too much of a mess. But like, I will never deny that it was shot beautifully. Um, and there's a lot of thought process and time and effort that went into filming it so that it worked forwards and backwards. So I will definitely give them their props for that. Uh, number nine for me is Extraction. If you remember that movie on Netflix with uh, Chris Hemsworth. Uh, I had a great time with this. You know, it had to do with him getting literally just getting a kid out of a out of a city. Um, very basic premise, but I think it was pulled off pretty well. It was just pretty much an action filled roller coaster ride for about an hour and a half, and I will never complain about that type of movie as long as it's done well. Yeah. Um, he fits in that role perfectly, and obviously, I think we're going to get another one, so I'm all for that. Um, if you haven't watched it, it's on Netflix. Go watch it. Uh, what are you doing? Um, you know, you'll you'll enjoy it. And again, everybody in that movie, I think, acted very well. The kid was good. And yeah, number nine for me. Number eight. Uh, so number eight for me is going to be King of Staten Island here. And the only real problem I had with this movie, it was it was too long. It, okay. it was too long of a movie. It didn't need to be as long as it was, but it was funny and I have to admit, I'm a big fan of Pete Davidson's comedy. Yeah. And while it's adult and it's pretty dark, his humor, um, I wanted to support him, which is why I bought the movie on digital when it came out at $30 <laughs> just for me to watch it. Yeah. And, you know, like if I, I and I kind of don't understand the reason why Pete Davidson gets all the hate he does. Um I think he's more of the comedian for this type of generation and the way their comedy is going. And King of Staten Island was a movie he just gets to lead and be himself in and tell his story because it's based on him. Yep. And I just think that Marissa Tomei played fantastic as the mother. Bill Burr was really funny in yep. this too. Like both of them are, are hilarious in it. And it's 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 a good feel good movie in the end and like the only thing that i just want to point out too is like pete davidson i just think is so funny and if you want an idea of like what i think of why he's so funny look at his old snl clips and <laughs> yeah i i posted this but he does um he do, he recently put out like a music video thing he did on snl for stew which is a comedy of Eminem and I can't remember the one lady song of Stan mm -hmm. or something like that and it's it's hilarious if you haven't watched it it's on YouTube um you should totally look up SNLP Davidson I think stew is what it's called and and it's and it's hilarious I love it <laughs> yeah he's a funny dude number eight I have onward from Disney and Pixar this came out to be you know somewhere near the beginning of the year I believe pretty yeah uh, pretty beginning yeah. Um, I had to think about it because it's been so long since I watched it, but had a great time with this movie. I love Pixar. I love pretty much everything they do. I thought the story in this was good. It was very, you know, a heartfelt message. The ending almost got me. I almost shed some tears there, um, but just has to deal with, you know, the loss of a father and, 
how the two brothers handle that and like just the jokes that were thrown in there uh pixar in general but also disney they do a good job of making movies for children but also they put jokes in there that adults get that entertain you as well so i'm always down for more disney and pixar movies so onward number eight all right onward was fantastic i probably that's probably what should have been in my honorable mentions too mm-hmm. is i liked i liked onward's whole kind of it's not really medieval but it's a fantastical yeah um, it's like a D world exactly and just the fact that the journey they go on and it tells a pretty cute message about everything is just it, it's just a fun movie in general yep uh number seven for me is going to be palm springs okay. the hulu uh, yeah hulu original movie and i know i'm kind of going back to back on comedy here but palm springs was just so much funnier than i think king <laughs> of staten island was i love andy sandberg and his comedy as well is fun and the actress he bounces off of which is Kristen uh Meliodi yeah I, I have their names written down but it's kind of hard to pronounce their names sometimes so I'm sorry <laughs> if I'm butchering this if the actress is listening to this which you know that's cool if you're listening to this, this will be a cool retrospective but I'm sorry if I pronounced your last name wrong. If I did, please message me. I will gladly fix it up when you listen to this podcast. Probably never. So <laughs> um, Palm Spring was just a fun twist on time, reality, bending, and going backwards. It was it was the, the comedy version of Tenet, now that I think about it, where Tenet is the reverse kind of world, um, parallel world palm springs is time traveling but funny and i think kind of the what all of the characters go through in their own way is is good and i think um the the movie stands out because it was one of the things where i heard all the positive reviews this was getting and i went all right i'll get my hulu subscription re-upped for a month to watch it (laughs) so i so i did and palm springs was definitely worth it yeah, it's a funny movie. I probably should have put that in honorable mention, but I forgot. Totally forgot about that movie. <laughs> All right. Number seven for me was uh, Guns Akimbo. And I think at this point in their careers, I think it's fair and is justified for us to say that Daniel Radcliffe and also Robert Pattinson are good actors. I know Robert Pattinson gets a little bit more than Daniel Radcliffe does because he was in Twilight and how bad those movies were. But um, I feel like Daniel Radcliffe to a certain extent gets it because, you know, obviously he's Harry Potter, but I feel like he's done a a decent amount of movies now where he is a legitimate actor and Guns Akimbo, I thought was just hilarious. The concept of him being thrown into a, a game that's live streamed over the internet where you literally have to kill or be killed all because he was pretty much just an edgelord making fun of people online. And they found out where he lived and they uh, bolt guns to his hands with literal like hammers and like screws. Um, And he just has to basically survive. That's the concept of the movie. But he is absolutely hilarious in this movie. It is extremely bloody and gory and violent. So if you're not into that, just be warned. But just just goes and is super quick and the jokes keep coming and the action is over the top and was just a fantastic ride. So number seven, Guns Akimbo. Daniel Radcliffe is one of the actors that like 
you kind of you you would kind of think that he gets lost in the fact that only everybody only thinks of him as Harry Potter, mm-hmm. but the fact that he continues to go out and do these other movies, I think, goes to show that he's more than just that. While he while he is you know Harry Potter for a lot of people, um, I also think that it's just nice to see him take on more adult roles. Yeah, and do these kind of I guess more serious movies. Mm-hmm than harry potter and i imagine he has to be tired about being called harry potter oh i'm sure i would be if i was him yeah but you know that that series made so much money for him he didn't have to work anymore he doesn't really have to at all but the fact that he loves acting so much and he if if you watch an interview of him on hot ones which i know they did very recently Mm -hmm. on youtube he's this he's a super down-to-earth person and he's and you know while you know he could have let i'm harry potter become his thing it's not he still tries to individualize himself yep from it number six for me is going to be enola holmes cool and i think like it's another movie that broke my expectations i loved i love millie bobby brown as enola holmes and the story of how her how she has a horrible mother that left her a bunch of puzzles to solve um (laughs) And, you know, that's played by Helena Bonham Carter, who was also Bellatrix in, yep. um, in Harry Potter. But you you kind of expected Henry Cavill, who's playing Sherlock Holmes, to take the lead a little bit more on this uh, on this movie. And he doesn't. And I think that works to its benefit. Yep. Um, Henry Cavill is the side character that just kind of helps Enola grow and, and continue to go along here. And it has a really good message about, you know, um females being their own independent being able to do things on their own which you know we do tend in the hollywood industry to have a lot of male lead roles who are invincible and enola is just this person who continues to bounce back from whatever learn because she's extremely smart and continue to go on and 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 run the story and i think millie bobby brown who in a lot of ways will be remembered as playing seven in Stranger <laughs> yeah. Things, I think I like her better as Enola Holmes, just because it's it, she's a fun, personable character. Yeah, I enjoyed the like the fourth wall breaking she would do, where yeah, she exactly. would talk to the camera. I thought that was a great touch, um, and it just kind of adds to her character. Just a fantastic movie. Uh, number six for me is The Invisible Man. I know this is high on a lot of people's lists, and was another movie that I don't think anybody had any hopes for whatsoever. Remake of an older movie about a guy who basically, you know, in this this version, invents himself a suit that makes him invisible and uses it to stalk his ex-girlfriend and just cause absolute terror and set up to make it seem like she's crazy and she's murdering people. And it just had, it's the dumbest plot. It has no business being as good as it is but is just a fantastic, it's not a horror movie. It's like suspense, a thriller. Um, no business being as good as it is. I cannot recommend, if you have not seen it, go out and rent it or find out where, I'm sure it's streaming somewhere. I want to say it's on HBO Max or something like that, but watch this movie, get it, give it the time it deserves because you will not be disappointed with it. And I do not want to spoil anything other than what I've already said because you don't want to know anything about it besides that. Yeah, and I think it's a lot more fun if you think about it as the the guy invented active camo. <laughs> yeah, yeah, he <laughs> and, did. <laughs> it's literally a suit he puts on. Yep. 
in, instead of Halo, where it's just a piece of armor that you get to put on in your camouflage, do you now have a? It's just a suit, which which is cool. That's it's not my type of movie to watch yet again. You say it's a thriller, but I think it's horror because mm-hmm. I'm that much of a scaredy cat. But, <laughs> um, besides the point, I'm I'm kind of surprised. I I haven't heard a lot from Invisible Man, in all honesty, and it's, I'm glad it's on there because it just goes to show that we have different tastes. Yeah, absolutely. Um, number five for me. And I had to look this up. Okay. It's Hamilton. Okay, yeah. Um, Hamilton, for me, I'm not into musicals. At least I don't think I am. But Hamilton was a fun thing to watch. The songs all are catchy. They're fun. The acting is fun. And I think the whole Disney Plus production about like making it, they they pretty much just put you in the shoes of somebody who's watching it at the theater. Mm-hmm. And due to COVID, you can't go to the theater anymore. Um, I think was just awesome. And this movie like blew a lot of my expectations because I'm not, I don't think I'm into musicals. Maybe I am. Cause I like Disney stuff, but <laughs> um, all the characters were fun. And, uh, and I already know he gets a lot for this, but like uh, Lin-Manuel Miranda is like a genius. Yeah. Uh, when it came to this and the fact that for, not only early 2020 when it came out, but in 2019 when Hamilton exploded, um, yeah. really, if all over the world, um, I think that goes to show kind of the uh, the cultural stuff. And I know people, and I've seen people who've watched Hamilton like 17 times <laughs> or if more. You, <laughs> if you could watch a movie 17 times or more, that's that is a feat within itself. Because you know I'm. I'm not the type of person who could watch Hamilton, you know, or even watch movies, you know, a day after I just watch them. Like it's got to yeah. be a couple weeks or sometimes in a lot of ways months for me to watch a movie again. And uh, Hamilton, you know, kind of took that stigma out. And if you wanted to listen to the soundtrack for Hamilton for a full 24 hours, I don't think you would be judged harshly. <laughs> it's it's something that should probably be on my list as well, but I don't I didn't put it on there out of spite just because of the amount of Hamilton abuse that I endure in my household. Um, <laughs> before this came out on Disney Plus, I was subjected to hearing these songs for months on end anytime we drove anywhere. And then when it came out on Disney Plus, it was playing for days on end. So I will admit that it is a very well done musical. I don't have anything against musicals. I like Rent. Um, I think that's a great musical, but it was just so in my in my household overplayed that I didn't hate it, but I have like an objection to it. So that's why it's not on my <laughs> list. <laughs> but it is a fantastic musical. I will give it its dues there. And Lynn Mal- Lynn Manuel Miranda is in fact a genius. A hundred percent. And he's done so much. He did that. I mean, he did the music for Moana. Everything he touches turns to gold. Yeah. <laughs> My number five, I'll gloss over real quick because we already talked about it, but it's the old guard. So okay. not not much more needs to be said about that other than that. I really, really enjoyed it. And hopefully we get the second one soon. Yeah, I hope so too. Yep. Number four for me is going to be Devil All the Time. Mm-hmm. Um, Devil All the Time is I'm going to admit a super slow movie and for an hour yeah. it, it is slow and hard to get through and I know at number four I probably shouldn't be saying that but the the midsection where Tom Holland becomes the main character 
and Robert Pattinson comes in and Sebastian Stan be uh becomes more of a character as well. I really liked what they did with that. We you're following multiple um storylines throughout that entire movie and while you are um I think in the end kind of the last 45 minutes when everything wraps around together it's awesome. And in a lot of ways, if you wanted to see a movie between Spider-Man, Batman, and Winter Soldier, that's three of the actors all in there because Robert Pattinson is going to eventually be playing Batman in the new movie. Yep. And um, Tom Holland's good. It just goes to show that he, do- he doesn't need to play Spider-Man to, uh, to succeed. Tom, This was like my first movie for me where Tom Holland is kind of the super serious actor. And it's not something where it's this comically fun-loving Marvel movie. And it, and it's fun. Uh, at number four, you know, the movie's slow. Yeah. And that's really the only thing that probably kept it from it being number one or even higher for me. <laughs> I wanted to like this movie, but that first hour, like, was dragging so hard for me that I never made it past it. And I probably should because I know it gets better. But like I was struggling with that movie, and I was so excited for that movie when it was announced. Um, but I do need to finish it, and I'll put it on the list. Number four for me is going to be Love and Monsters. Um, we talked about this on one of the podcasts before, but I thoroughly enjoyed this movie. Dylan O'Brien, who was also known for Maze Runner movies, which I enjoyed the Maze Runner movies. They were pretty good. Another teen-based novel that got turned into a movie. But Love and Monsters is kind of a, I guess, like a comedy slash drama has to do with um, there was, I don't know if it specifically was like nuclear or not, but all the bugs uh, in the world got mutated and became large. So everybody lives underground and Dylan, you know, his character got separated from his girlfriend when this all happened and they communicate over the radio. And he decides that he's going to go up to the surface and find his way to her, even though he is the last person who should be doing that because he's clumsy and cannot fight and do any of that. And, you know, comedy ensues there. But I don't know if very many people watch this movie. I don't think if normal times, I don't think this would have done well, probably in theaters. But it's one that definitely goes underappreciated. And I think more people should check out if you're into that type of movie. So I have it pretty high on my list. Yeah. Um, it sounds like a movie I should probably watch. Yeah, <laughs> for sure. I definitely should get on to, cause that's a Netflix original, isn't it? Uh, I don't know. I don't think so. Oh, okay. I think it was one I had to rent, I believe, but, mm. uh, worst case scenario. I do know that it comes out, uh, this coming Tuesday on like Blu-ray. Oh, cool. All right. Well, so there you go. <laughs> we'll have to look at it from there. So number three for me is going to be Borat subsequent movie film <laughs> uh, featuring Sacha, Karen, uh, Baron Cohen, and Maria Bakalo- uh, Bak- Bakalova. Yeah, Bakalova. Um, I've, I never actually watched the first Borat, so maybe the, the comedy that Borat has kind of stuck out to me. Mm-hmm. But I really think this movie came out at the time where America was under so much scrutiny for everything going on. And the fact that Borat just makes fun of it (laughs) is awesome. And I think, and I think in a lot of ways, and it's true, if you can't laugh at yourself, Mm -hmm. like that's, 
you're you're always taking things too seriously uh i guess and borat is this kind of commentary about you know about how outsiders look at america in a lot of ways and it it, it is just funny you know the it's i'm gonna say it's an adult movie i wouldn't say it's something that you should let your kids watch at no. all no <laughs> watch it um yeah. But the themes it talks about, you know, are, are good. The interactions between Maria and, and Sacha are all good. Uh, Bo- Borat is a Amazon um, exclusive film. And it was, it was funny all the way through. And I might be rating it so high because I never saw the first Borat. But um, this, this Borat is, is a lot of fun. And I, I enjoyed every second. You couldn't go anywhere when the first Borat movie came out without somebody quoting it, though. Mm-hmm. Like that was that was everywhere, and I probably should have that on my list, but it didn't even come out that long ago. I just totally forgot about it when I was making this list, but it probably would have been on there somewhere. It was a hilarious movie, um, and the ending is hilarious. Yeah, it is <laughs> definitely is. Uh, number three for me is Soul, which literally just came out. Um, I'm assuming it's on your list somewhere too. It's probably higher. Uh, but man, what a great movie. It makes you pretty much rethink your entire life when you're done, which is something you don't expect out of a movie that's for the most part aimed at kids. Uh, but the story that you get out of this is fantastic. Uh, we just talked about this on the last podcast, but, um, the animation is top tier. The voice acting is incredible. There's literally nothing I can say bad about this movie at all. Yeah, and with that, like for me, I'm gonna go straight into it. Soul's my number two. Great, that worked um, out. Soul, Soul is everything that Craig says it is. It's yeah. awesome. There's funny moments, and I think in a lot of ways, after watching a couple people that like I watch on YouTube review the movie, this is probably one of the more adult type um, Pixar movies because. Kids will understand it, but I think adults will kind of look at it and have a reflection period and about what the movie says, especially young adults. Um, mm-hmm. For for all the people that are struggling um, to make money right now and during these COVID times, people who've lost their jobs, people who feel like they're stuck at the same dead-end job, this movie speaks to them in a way that you kind of don't expect. And the the trailers didn't really go on to show um, what, what the, what the movie's message I thought was really going to be. And so is, so is this fantastically animated Pixar movie that um, it tackles adult themes, I think a lot better than I thought it would. And just in general, soul, soul hits on everything. Animation, comedy i thought as well there was enough comedy in there to have fun and the the emotional hits and luckily it doesn't end in a typical like pixar somber moment way it ends yeah. in a, it, it ends it ends in a good way that you know leaves you while thinking at the end of the movie also happy yeah but it does like you turn that movie off when you're done and you just kind of sit there and you're like man what am i doing with my life Exactly. <laughs> Which is a good thing to think about every once in a while. Uh, you know, it made me think like, I'm glad that we took the time to start this podcast. You know, it was not yeah. something that we were just like, oh, we should do that sometime. We actually did it. So it's it's that type of movie where maybe it'll get people to go out and do things that they've been putting off. 
which is good. Uh, number two for me is Birds of Prey. And this might be a little controversial. I don't know. Oh, in it's general. controversial. <laughs> it is controversial without a doubt. I know so a decent amount of people did not like this movie, but I've said it before and I'll say it again. Margot Robbie is a fantastic Harley Quinn. Um, I think everybody in this movie did a fantastic job. Ewan McGregor as the villain is, you know, hilarious and spot on. And coming from somebody who, you know, surprise enjoyed Suicide Squad, except the ending. I thought the ending was stupid, but for the most part, enjoyed Suicide Squad. And I wanted to see more from Margot Robbie in that role. I think she did a fantastic job. The other women in this movie do a fantastic job and was a lot better than I expected it to be. Um, obviously, it's real high up on my list, but I know it, it'll be taken as controversial because people like to pick on, you know, Suicide Squad and say how bad that movie was. Um, but yeah, I just I had a ton of fun watching this movie. I was laughing the whole time the action scenes were done very well. And I thought the ending scene, you know, that her on roller skates was cool. So number two for me, fight me. Yeah. They, <laughs> the public will. Um, and then for me, uh, number one is going to be extraction. Okay. Uh, I, I looked at this list and I looked at all the movies that I had watched and extraction was really the only action movie, which I love action movies. Mm-hmm. was really the only movie I sat down and from beginning to end was like, this is fun. Like just yeah. keep going in, in every single way. Like Chris Hemsworth, we know is a good actor even before he played as Thor in, in Marvel. But um, Chris Hemsworth, Chris Hemsworth is like this tank that just doesn't die. And <laughs> it's, you know, I, I enjoy watching him struggle through this movie while trying to keep his morality about the kid and um also just being generally good at action sequences i i do i think i remember like the the fight scene with him and the other gentleman with a knife kind of out in the out in the street i think that Mm -hmm. was a one shot um or a continuous shot yeah is why that scene got so much praise and much like with last year's film, 1917, um, those shots are just so impressive and people who kind of don't know like the behind the scenes stuff about movies probably don't appreciate that as much as I do, but um, it's fight at fight scenes that are one shot are so complicated to do. And the fact that they kind of pulled it off in that sequence, without much of a problem, or I should say, um, they pulled it off and made it look really, well, really well shot. Is a testament to how well both those actors were. Yeah. And Extraction is just this super fun movie that, again, I've watched. Like this is the only movie I think on this list that I've watched more than once. <laughs> um, with good and, reason. Yeah, with good reason. So uh, Extraction is my number one. To me, the scene that stands out besides that the one shot action scene, which is my number one was the scene where he's uh, first rescuing the boy and he takes out like the four or five guys in the apartment. I thought that was so cool. It was like super brutal. And it's just him like just absolutely laying waste to everybody. Didn't matter that there was like four or five of them. He just laid them all out. I thought it was great. 
and set a good tone for the movie. Yeah. All right. My number one, again, with movie lists, I like to be controversial because I think it's funny. Um, (laughs) (laughs) So my number one just barely squeaked in there because it came out on January 8th of 2020. So just snuck in there. It's sitting at a 47% on Rotten Tomatoes, a 60%. God, really, we're going to we're, we're doing this 60% audience score. So everybody else can fight me. My number one movie of the year is Underwater because I absolutely love this movie. Kristen Stewart again from Twilight. Hey, she can act too. Um, I can't, man, I love this movie so much. It has a good sci fi feel slash horror feel to it. Um, where they're they all work way down on the surface of I, I think it's Mariana's Trench is where they're at. Um, but they're all underwater and then there's a explosion and then they basically just have to find a way to the surface with this gigantic. I don't even know if they ever explain what it is. There's some sort of unidentified animal that lives in the depths down there that doesn't like them down there. Um, but I absolutely adore this movie. I think I watched it like three times or maybe more. I don't remember but just had such a good time with it. Everybody at this point, I think knows I have a love for suspense and horror movies. So I think this one is, does not get seen by the amount of people that it should be. And I think it's, you know, unfairly beaten down. Um, It's just, I enjoy something original. So putting it out there and trying something new like this or something that hasn't been done in a long time is very cool. And it deserves to be number one for me. So fight me. (laughs) (laughs) My one and two are probably going to raise some eyebrows for sure. Yeah. As I was to say, probably people are listening to this podcast going, is Craig going to be the right movie critic? And then they go to to one and two and then they're like, oh, this, but you know, I, I am not, I will never say that I am a movie critic. I go and watch movies where in this year sit down in my, living room and watch theaters to be entertained and enjoy myself. And if it does that, then that is what I need out of a movie. And I'm not going to dissect it more than that. (laughs) (laughs) But you know, that's, that's our movies of the year. And now that we're kind of through the, the entertainment part of the, uh, the special here, I guess, and this is a question, I guess, for both of us, yeah, you know, trying to think of what I what movies or video games I'm looking forward to most in mm-hmm. 2021, and you know, for me, it's James Bond, of course. Right. But if it wasn't James Bond, I have to say I'm really, I'm really excited to see Black Widow. Yeah. Um, you know, we were supposed to get that movie this year, and I actually don't think we have any idea when it's actually coming out. Still. <laughs> yeah, I don't um, think so. But, um, you know, this was a this was an odd year where, you know, we didn't have the regular Spider-Man Marvel movie stuff or sorry, just Marvel movies in general where, um, you know, and I'm interested to see the lives of theaters, you know, and if when if and when, you know, COVID can settle down and be eradicated or you know, movies in general can go back to being in theaters and become this public viewing experience. I'm just interested to see how all that goes. Um, I love the movie theaters. I don't want them to go. Um, 
but you know it as it is with like physical gaming like digital stuff is constantly on the verge of taking over and people want to watch stuff on their time but more so than ever before where movies are these you know things that are in movie theaters for a certain amount of time and for a certain certain times of the day so you know movies i just i i I really hope they come back to theaters and I really hope that it's something where, you know, I can get up with a group of my friends again and go, go see a movie. Yeah. I think for me, what I'm most excited for movie wise is I'm always going to have a soft spot for the fast and furious. So, you know, the fast and furious that was supposed to come out this year that got pushed is definitely up there. Um, the matrix, uh, is a big one for me because I enjoy at least the first two third one we won't talk about um and then space jam is another one for me that like yeah, i'm excited for space jam too yeah. yeah and then i have to be cautiously excited for the uncharted movie if that actually comes out this coming year or not we'll see but you know there's a lot riding on that movie as well but i think out of all of them that's probably the one that i expect the least out of yeah and i i guess for video games for me i'm looking at Probably the Horizon Zero Dawn um, Part Two, or Forbidden West—that's what it's called. Or Forbidden, mm-hmm. it's one of the two. So, like, I'm super excited for that. Um, and I guess, like, that's kind of really all we know that's coming out for next gen. Still, mm-hmm. you know, I, I'm interested to see what the next Call of Duty is because I think now, after Cold War, more so than ever, we really don't know what direction Call of Duty is going to go in. Right. And, you know, what what it's going to tackle. You know, I know a lot of people are excited to see that it's Modern Warfare 2 and people are going to get to see Soap, which, you know, <laughs> my brother never shuts up about. And, uh, <laughs> you know, Soap McTavish is fun. And if we can get to experience that game, like with new graphics in a brand new way, I'm excited for that just in general. Yeah. But, but for gaming, we don't like for gaming. We don't know the games that are really coming out until probably later this year right Um, but you know i'm i'm excited to see where it goes and i think it would in general for me it would be anything that's true next gen would be what i'm most excited for um halo i think would be one even though that's technically coming out on both so that's not a true next gen and then the other one for me that i'm excited about is just the the hogwarts legacy game um that i know just recently some people who got to try an early build of the game said it reminded them of Bully. And like, I love the game Bully. So if you give me Bully with Harry Potter, like, you know, spells and stuff, I'm all in for that. Yeah. And with that, I think we're going to go ahead and end this. I'm, you know, I'm trying to think. Last year's podcast, I think, was like three hours. Yeah. Um, it was so- up there. So, so so it's nice to have this. It's probably going to be about two hours and, you know, 15 minutes or something like that. Mm-hmm. But uh, I'm, I'm not going to go ahead and plug everything that we do this time, because if you're already here, you know, and you've already listened to this all the way to the end of the podcast, I consider you, you know, one of our diehard fans, I guess. Yeah. And, you know, just I'm just going to thank you for the support. 2020 was a year that we started this podcast and then immediately after starting it, COVID hit. Yeah. And we had to be on our toes to find a way to make this podcast happen where Craig and I could have easily just quit. Yeah. And 
it was just the start of the podcast. We literally could have recorded one episode and been done with it right afterward. But, you know, th- sitting here for two hours with you, it doesn't feel like it. <laughs> um, yeah. We got to talk about our favorite games, talk about our favorite movies, and it doesn't feel like it was that long. So, you know, I only hope that as a listener, if you've listened all the way through this, you know, again, thank you for listening. And I just hope one day we can start to repay everything that you guys have done for us, whether it's listening all the way through every podcast or sharing it with your friends. You know, 2020 is probably the most reflective year I've had to go through considering work covid personally my surgery where um i was really home um or quarantined for three months so you know just just thank you just in general and hopefully and you know i know craig hopes this as well i'm i'm hoping that 2021 continues to only help us expand to do bigger things uh with with this channel uh, and with this podcast because i'm having fun with it this is you know this 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 is all this is a passion project for craig and i and all we want to do is spread gaming news you know get people more interested in games and to keep uh and and really just to expand our passions even more um than just (laughs) craig and i just talking about games at work (laughs) yeah Um, absolutely so yeah with with that said is there anything you want to say at all craig i don't think so two and a half hours not too bad yeah two and a half hours and a bunch of editing i'm gonna have to do (laughs) so uh with that uh look forward if you're at the end of this podcast uh i'm gonna i'm gonna release this as soon as i can Mm -hmm. uh so we're recording new year's eve first off happy happy new year i guess I think that's I think that's what everybody says. Hopefully, uh, twenty twenty one is just a better year for everybody. Yep. Considering all that's happened, so with that, uh, we'll see you guys next time. Thanks again. Yeah.